The reading this morning is from Lamentations chapter 3, from verses 37 to 45. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning at verse 37. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, We have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain without pity. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. You have made us scum and refuse among the nations. Thank you, Chris. Now, why do we put suits in garment bags and garments in a suitcase? Doesn't um, expecting the unexpected make the unexpected expected? Why do slow down and slow up mean the same thing? Why do they call it a TV set when most people only have one? Well, those are just trivial questions, aren't they? Uh, But life also has rather more serious questions. And if you've seen any of the ambulance programs, I guess it must be the most uh, common question that is asked is, is the patient breathing? And that's, of course, a very serious question. So trivial questions, serious questions, and they're also hard questions. And we have three this morning. Uh, we may not like them, especially. Uh, we may find them hard, even to just even think about just now. But these are three hard questions that we do need to ask. And uh, if not now, then at some point. And I think that genuinely, uh, if we are able to ask them, we will in due course find them helpful. There are questions which come from our passage this morning from Lamentations 3. This is the, uh, the fourth in a series in Mental Health Awareness and Lamentations chapter 3. And the series will be concluded next week. So what are the questions? The first question is this, who's in charge? Second question, whose fault is this? And the third question, what's actually the problem? Let's pray and ask God to help us to understand his word now. Father, we uh, really need your help every time we come to your word. And we pray, Father, that the spirit who inspired these words to be written would also come into hearts and minds now to help us to understand these words of yours rightly and to apply them to our lives, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. BBC Radio 2 used to be branded uh, Easy Listening, 
Uh, this morning is not Radio 2 for any of us, uh, but I hope and I've been praying it would be something that's actually really valuable and a significant time that we spend together this morning. Uh, our first question is this, who's in charge? And let's look at verses 37 and 38. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord had not decreed it? It is, not, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? And a reminder about the, the original context of this, as we've uh, said in previous weeks, this is about two and a half thousand years ago, a bit more than that actually, and Jeremiah is there in Jerusalem, it's been destroyed by the Babylonian army, huge numbers of people have been killed, some are being deported off to Babylon, and Jerusalem itself and the temple, the real center of their national life and their religion, is just rubble. And this is a comprehensive political and personal disaster. But you see what Jeremiah is saying in verses 37 and 38. You look at the end of verse 37. Uh, uh, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord had not decreed it? So he's saying this disaster, the Lord decided that this would happen. And in verse 38, uh, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? God speaks, it happens. And that can be uh, calamities. Or, and it can be good things. And then he goes on in verse 39. Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? And the implication that is, uh, the, is that in terms of who's responsible for what has happened to us in Jerusalem all those years ago was that it was a punishment for their sins. Now, our own mental health struggles, feeling down, not coping, all these dark gray skies day by day by day by day. And although it's getting a bit lighter in the evening, isn't it? It's, uh, it's still gloomy by, uh, by five o'clock. Um, uh, the stress, the anxiety, the overwhelming feelings maybe of anger or frustration. When is this going to end? Or, or the despair or just feeling in some way that your, your whole personality is in some way changing. And when you're in that valley, when you're in that ravine and you're you're looking up to either side and there are cliffs just overhanging on either side and you're in the midst of this and it's really dark down there and you realize you're not in charge and you're not in control of all this and you can't really cope anymore but maybe maybe you're someone who just loves to be in control maybe you're someone who who in, in some kind of way, the way that you've been wired up, you just uh, kind of have to be in control. And your, your friends jokingly call you a control freak, and to be honest, you are. And you're, uh, uh, and you're there, but the trouble is now you can't control how you feel today. And you want to be on top. And you want to be the master of your mental health, but maybe for the first time you're not. And you're having to come to terms with the fact you're not in charge. But who is? Or is anyone in charge? Or are we just kind of lurching through our pandemic from one crisis and one governmental decision and one set of restrictions to another? Well, the Bible emphatically asserts that even in a global pandemic, even with 112,092 COVID-related deaths in the UK. That was the number yesterday. 
even with new variants, and those concerns, is the vaccine going to work against these new variants, say from South Africa or Brazil or wherever the next one will come from and so on, the Bible emphatically asserts that God is in charge. And we have to remember these words. For instance, uh, verses 37 and 38 there, first spoken by a bruised, battered prophet sitting in the ruins of his life and his religion, the ruins of his nation. And he still manages to say, God's in charge. And as we look at verse 37 here, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord had not decreed it? The answer to that question, obviously, is, is no one. Because God's in charge, and he brings the good and the bad, but that raises all sorts of questions, doesn't it? Did God create depression? Where did anxiety come from then? I'm wondering if I have a, a personality disorder because I'm, I seem to have changed since last year. Is that God's doing? Well, this is not the time uh, to go into all the detail on that, but we do have coffee after the service and the opportunity to try to tackle uh, some of these questions. Uh, it's not a clinic, but we, we want to look at some of these questions. If you'd like to come and join us, then uh, the link is on Church Suite, uh, and do join us at half past 11. Uh, it's an opportunity, really, isn't it, to address some of those rather more serious questions about mental health awareness. But let's look at verse 38, because he talks about calamities and good things. Now, calamities is in the plural. Good things, actually it's good thing. Good thing is singular. It means the good. So what it's saying is that there are, there are specific bad events. We're in the middle of a bad event at the moment. Uh, it uh, COVID, I guess, didn't exist in 2017, 2018. But, and uh, uh, maybe I'm showing my scientific ignorance with this. But we didn't know of it. We'd never heard of it. Uh, and when we trust and pray that uh, uh, we'll be getting on top of this for the future, uh, it is a bad event. But he's also saying here um, that there is the good. So it's not just specific evil acts that are allowed by God or used by God. Uh, maybe as a wake-up call, maybe as uh, wanting to say to people, come on, there are things here and bigger questions of life that we need to take account of. But he's actually saying there is the good. There is the good life, the good way of life created by God and that God wants us to live with him. There is, uh, out from the hand of God, both calamities for reasons sometimes we don't understand, sometimes we think we can begin to feel our way towards understanding them, but there is also the good. And it's very often that God wants to use the calamities in life, the specific, awful, terrible things that we struggle with to help to bring good and the good, to help to bring a life with him in people's lives. And that's what he's, uh, that's what he's saying here in, uh, in, verse, in verse 38. Uh, there is the good. It comes from the, the most high God. And God can and will use bad things, even our struggles with our mental health, actually for our benefit, for our uh, good, for our wholeness, to help us to get through this, to know him better, the good. So who's, who's actually in charge? 
Well, we have to acknowledge, don't we, consciously to ourselves and to God in prayer that it's not us who's in charge. It really is not us who is in charge, but God Almighty who sits on the throne of the universe. He's called the Lord in verse 37. He's called the Most High in verse 38. And he loves us and he wants good for us. And he will sometimes even use bad things in order to bring good for us. And in the meantime, in the bad times, when we're really struggling, we know he's walking with us. We know he's there for us because we know he loves us. And how do we know he loves us? Well, ultimately, because he sent his son to this earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only son who came to die for us. That's how we know ultimately how God loves us, how we know he's with us in the struggles, in the tough times, in the, in, on the days that we're really, really struggling even to get out of bed in the morning. That's our first question. Who's in charge? It's not you or me, it's the Most High God. The second question is this, whose fault is this? And that's verses 39 to 42, I want to focus on there. We do live in a blame culture, don't we? Uh, Something goes wrong, and you see the interviews on the news, and they're always wanting to blame someone, it seems. Uh, I mean, I wrote this Um, sermon on the morning after uh, the death toll reached 100,000. And there were all sorts of news items. Who's to blame for our really high death rate in the UK? And all this wanting, just wanting to point the finger, is it you? Is it you? Is it you kind of thing? Um, We do live in a blame culture. And then, of course, we complain when things go wrong. And it's, it's not our fault, of course, so we, we naturally and want to blame someone else. You know, we get a puncture because there's been a deep pothole, and we want to blame the council or the people who made the tires not strong enough on our car. Uh, or we catch COVID, and we blame those who don't keep the two-meter distance when we're walking down the road. I'm sure I caught it from that person who brushed too close to me down on the footpath uh, uh, three or four days ago or whatever. Or we blame, you know, our GP or the government or the postman or anyone really we live in a blame culture well look at verse 39 why should the living complain when punished for their sins so we don't complain and we're not going to play the blame game we do want to ask the question whose fault is this now this is where it's hard and this is where we need to uh, tread carefully Mental health problems. Whose fault? Well, we need to understand and see, don't we, that when we're struggling, sometimes we can really feel that it's my fault. I'm weak, and I'm useless, and I can't cope. And if we're helping someone, there will be times when we really need to reinforce that and say, this really is not your fault. Depression, suicidal fault. Uh, thoughts, mania, huge stress-related struggles. They can, hap- they can happen to anyone, even perhaps the most unlikely candidates. Never thought it would happen to me. Never a hint of it in my first 64 years of life until the first lockdown when I struggled a little bit then. It happens. And if you're tempted to blame yourself and say, uh, uh, well, it's only because I'm just so useless and weak, then do pause and ask yourself, is that really the case? 
because it usually isn't. It really isn't. And, and I say usually because there are some occasions, and, and this is why I want to tread very, very lightly, where we could contribute to our own mental health struggles. Maybe. Maybe there was something in the past. Perhaps uh, in the past there was some uh, use of substances or something, which means your brain isn't quite working maybe quite as well as it, as, uh, as it used to. Or maybe there is some, some sin in our, in our lives and we are feeling genuinely guilty uh, and there is uh, a responsibility in our own lives for that. Um, but we do need to tread very, very lightly there and not be pointing the finger at ourselves and not pointing the finger to other people either. That's why we look at verse 40 and 41. Let us, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say with huge honesty, we have sinned and rebelled. And we'll come to the second half of verse 42 uh, in just a little bit. Jeremiah here is saying, let us. So he's including himself in this. He's praying to the God who's in charge. And in his situation, he's confessing the faults and the failures of himself and his people. And I hope we got a balance, the balance right there. Uh, we're not pointing fingers. We're not uh, saying, well, it's your fault and your fault. You shouldn't have done that, you know. No, we're not doing that. Um, uh, but whose fault is this? And the answer is usually, vast majority of the time, this is not your fault. And when bad things happen, in the sovereignty of God, he helps us through. And because he loves us, he will bring us through. He will bring us through. And be assured of this. That even if you're thinking, oh dear, now, please be assured of this. God loves you more than you would ever dare to imagine. He's there for you. And he wants to walk through this with you. So come to him. Please come to him today. And occasionally with Jeremiah, it, there might be something that you just need to say to God. As Jeremiah did here, Lord, please forgive me and that little sentence could be a hugely significant step in your mental health who's in charge whose fault is this they're difficult questions aren't they we need to be gentle with each other and we need to be gentle with ourselves and the third question is this what's actually the problem what's actually the problem and look with me, would you, in verses 42 to 45. Um, verse 42, we have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. We'll come to that in just a moment. Uh, verse 44, uh, you have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. At the past, in the Exodus, uh, God used a cloud to lead his people, and now he uses a cloud to conceal himself from his people and in verse 45 look at verse 45 here you have made us scum and refuse to the nations the word scum there means literally not fit for purpose 
you know, the people of Israel were meant to be a light to the nations. They were meant to be uh, an example to the nations. They were meant to bring this good news of God's love for mankind to the nations. And now they're scum. They're not fit for purpose anymore. And it's hard, isn't it, when your, your nation created by God has now been rendered by that same God not fit for purpose. Eloise Hearn has written a number of uh, poems based on lamentations. I'm going to read one now. And um, it's called God Most, Most High God. Most High God, you seem like an enemy who has set himself against me. Prayer seems like warfare. I'm battling despair. Talking to you is like hammering on a locked door. I don't think you care anymore. You are shrouded in storm clouds, hidden from view. None of my prayers make it through. Most high God, are you angry with me? From your mouth came calamity. Prayers feel like battle cries that never get any replies. Talking to you, it's like banging my head on a wall. Does it make any difference at all? I'm forgotten and overlooked. When will you see? You once used to watch over me. Maybe you feel like that this morning. And our third difficult question. What's actually the problem? And I want to go kind of big scale on this. And I want to talk about humanity's sin. Because Jeremiah is telling us uh, that the root cause, the, the overarching reason for the problems in the world is human sinfulness as he says in verse 42 we have sinned and rebelled and then you expect the second half of that verse to say and you have forgiven but it's just the opposite he says and you have not forgiven now that is an absolute bombshell you have not forgiven it's not that god won't forgive when we come back to him but at this stage as Jeremiah sits there in Jerusalem in the ruins of the place and so on, he can see, well, God hasn't forgiven. He's gone through with this threat of judgment against his people because of their sin. And again, the beginning of verse 42, we've sinned and we've rebelled and we still are. And the proof of that is this wreckage of a city, of a nation, of a people that is all around me. And that's why verses 43 and 44 and 45 make, make such grim reading. You've made a scum and refuse among the nations. And the, the lesson for us 
it's the significance of sin. And what is sin? Martin Luther, uh, the Reformation theologian, said this 500 years ago and more. Sin is essentially a departure from God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote, men have forgotten God's. And there's a rather twee little nursery rhyme that says this, except the meaning isn't twee at all. But this is a nursery rhyme. There was a crooked man and he walked a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence. Don't ever know those anymore, do we? He found a crooked sixpence against a crooked stile. He bought a crooked cat which caught a crooked mouse and they all lived together in a little crooked house. The understanding of sin, what our hearts are really like, is going to be, it's got to be a really significant help in our mental health awareness. We're all natural born rebels, I'm afraid. That's what we are, natural born rebels. We have sinned and rebelled. Yeah, agree with what Jeremiah says here. Agree with what he says in verse 42. We live in a world which has sinned and rebelled. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, um, if you put your faith in Jesus and his death for us, then we have a glorious future, an absolutely perfectly and wonderfully glorious future. And for every single one of us uh, uh, who Christian people, we can say on our deathbed, you know, the best is yet to be. The best is yet to be. And we look forward to glory where there's no more death and no more mourning and no more crying or pain or stress or anxiety or depression or worry. And no more need for time off work for mental health issues. And no more need for hospitals like Millview and for us having a collection to encourage the staff there. And no more need for counsellors. And no more need for a good friend to walk with you through the dark ravine of crushing despair. And we're, <clears throat> we're heading for a new heaven and a new earth. That is perfect <clears throat> in every conceivable way and an existence that's free from the ravages and the consequences of sin and uh, free from this never-ending roller coaster of a lifelong struggle with mental health and won't that be a truly, truly wonderful day. Let's pray together. Father, we, we know these are uh, uh, three really hard questions. Hard questions because of what they, they mean, because of what they bring up in our minds, but important, important nonetheless. And we pray, Lord, that our understanding of ourselves, our understanding of your world, our understanding of you will grow as we grapple with these questions, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.